Um, we're continuing this week with our series about Joseph. Joseph, and it's the life of a God chaser. But before I get into the message this morning, I want to tell you about uh, a preacher that I really love and respect. His name's Ray Bennett. And I remember years ago, he told this really neat story about, um, about him. He was, you know, he's getting up there in age, and uh, at that time, he wasn't, you know, quite, quite as old as he is now. But uh, his wife was trying to make him watch his diet. And he really loved candy bars. And he traveled around and preached at different churches all around, uh, really around the country, but especially up and down the East Coast and out towards the Midwest and things like that. Um, and so he lived, basically lived in a camper. And so from time to time, they'd park at a campground and he would run into town to get something. And when he was out by himself, his wife was back at the camper. He's like, I'm going to sneak a candy bar. I'm going to sneak a candy bar. And so the first time he uh, went and he thought he would do it, he, he paid with his card. He put his receipt in his pocket. And then, you know, he ate the candy bar, he threw the wrapper away. And then his wife was doing the laundry a little bit later on. And she reaches in his pocket and she sees the receipt for a candy bar. And she fusses at him. She's like, you're, you're basically, I, I don't know if he was diabetic, but he was worried about his blood sugar. So the candy bar was off limits for him. She told him, she warned him. And she said, don't get any more candy bars. And he's like, all right, all right. Well, he went for a while, and then the temptation got the best of him. The next time he was out by himself at the store, um, he paid with the card, but he was thinking, and he threw the receipt away while he was there at, at the store, and he's like, I'll be good this time. Um, but uh, the problem was he, um, his wife, oh, excuse me, I, I just went blank. Yeah, his wife saw the small charge on the bank statement, and he was like, man, I can't, you know, I cannot get away with it. She's like, she knew gas station, $1.25, that's a, that's a candy bar. And she called him out, and he's like, yes, I did, I did, I did. And he's like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do better. And so then the next time he goes, and he's tempted, he goes for a long time, and he doesn't do it. But the next time he goes, he gets tempted, he sees a candy bar, he's like, I got to have it, my wife's not around. So he pays cash. He throws away the wrapper. He throws away everything, the receipt, all that sort of stuff. He takes the wrapper. When he goes there, he, he's got the trash bag that he takes outside. He takes the candy bar wrapper. He sticks it down in the bottom of the trash bag and sets it out for the guy that's going to come through the campground to take his trash away. He's like, I am good. Well, he goes on about the rest of his day, goes on to bed, comes out the very next morning, and he realizes that a squirrel had come along, chewed through the bottom of the trash bag, pulled out the candy bar wrapper and probably licked the chocolate off the inside of the wrapper and laid the wrapper on the picnic table outside of the camper. And he said, I kid you not. He said, if he's lying, he's dying. He said, I kid you not. He said, the, the lesson that hit me right then and there is be sure your sins will find you out. It doesn't matter how much you try to hide it. Your sins will find you out. The, you know, a squirrel. God used a squirrel to tell, that, uh, to tell on that man. And Joseph was a guy who, as we talked about last week, did right even when things weren't going right. And that's our challenge. Here's another time that we see in his life. We sort of skipped over it as we we're talking about the different accounts. And I told you we'd come back to it. And here's we are coming back to it in Genesis 39. But we look at this difficult path that, that Joseph followed to have a life of integrity. It's not easy to live a life of integrity, is it? 
It's really tempting when life is going difficult to just take the easy road. Or it's, it's, if you think nobody's watching, or if you think you've covered your tracks and you've hidden the receipt, that everything's going to be good. But you've got to understand, if we want to be a light for Jesus Christ, we have to live a life of integrity. Have you ever found yourself falling into the same old trap time and time again? You know, maybe there's a particular sin that really seems to have your number. You ever been there? You ever done that? It kind of can become like those people who are trying to get hurt uh, and get for hurt for lawsuits. You ever seen those videos where like somebody's at, you know, McDonald's and you see them like they they pour a cup of uh, soda on the floor and then they like look around, see somebody's looking and they slip and they fall. Uh, one of the, the worst examples, it wasn't in a restaurant, but you may have seen the video go around. It makes its rounds on social media from time to time about evidently it was a court case. And I believe maybe it was one lawyer or maybe it was the plaintiff and defendant. I don't know exactly what it was, but the one lady is walking back to her seat. And when she walks by the, the other lady, she just takes a piece of paper and hits her on the back of the head with it. The lady literally sitting there in a chair, she said, oh, and she went like this. like that and got down i'm sorry for people on facebook you couldn't see that but i mean it was literally that slow motion she was like i'm gonna get paid and i'm you know she's right there in the middle of all the court and she's just rolls down i mean as slow as you could be a piece of paper and it's amazing what people will do but that's sort of like our sin sometimes it's like we say that we get caught off guard but really we're going around just looking for trouble you know, we're looking for an opportunity to get ourselves hurt, so to speak. We don't really think it's going to hurt us, but we know deep down it's going to hurt us. We know the danger, we know the risk, but we believe that we can get close enough but not get burned. And then, like I said, sometimes we go out looking to what? Get burned. We even go looking for it. So we understand that we need to learn to stay pure. We need to learn to avoid the same old traps, but it's a different thing to actually do it. And there's several lessons we're going to look at from Joseph's life this morning, what we can do when we're faced with temptation. Look at Genesis 39. Genesis 39, beginning in verse 6. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything that he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Now, I start with that little clip there because remember we talked about, if you were here, you watched online last week, we talked about the fact that Joseph's life, even when things were going difficult, he still tried to do the right thing. And it may have seemed bleak, but God's timing was perfect. And here you go again. He gets sold into slavery by his brothers. He ends up in Egypt. He ends up in the house of Potiphar. But very quickly, God blesses him and puts him up to a place of authority again. God will do it every time if you trust his timing. He will bless you. He will give you what you need to accomplish his good and his glory through your life. But there's a lesson here that we learn in this next part of verse 6 that we really need to, to wrap our minds around. The first idea is this. Say no immediately when temptation comes. Say no immediately. Look at verse uh, 6. The, we'll call it part B. Joseph was a very handsome and will, uh, well-built young man. Now, I do have to stop there and just say, as a guy that fits that description a lot of times too, I can relate. It's, it's hard out there in the streets. <laughs> For me and Joseph, you know, but you know, you know what I'm saying. 
<laughs> Y'all laugh too hard at that. Uh, I'm going to take that personal. <laughs> yeah. Verse 7 says, And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. So you learn a lesson right there that you and I, we may know this in theory, but we don't always relate it in practice. It's when temptation comes, what you have to do is say no when? Immediately. Instantly. As soon as you're aware of the temptation, you have to say no. And I would even challenge you that you need to say no out loud. You know, I mean, there's been times for me when I've used what the scripture says is, you know, what Jesus said to Peter when Peter was sort of trying to tempt him to take an easy way out and say, you know, get behind me, Satan. No, you know, get behind me. I'm not going to fall for your tricks. I'm not going to fall for your traps. But oftentimes, if you're like me, and I think you all are in some ways, you're tempted to just look at it a little bit. And you weigh the options and you see, is it really as bad as what everybody says it is? Or maybe there's more benefit here that I can deal with. And I can get close and when it starts to get too bad, I'll back up. I won't get burned. But every time you get burned, when you don't automatically, immediately say no. I, I shared last week, and I'll bring your mind back to the quote uh, that's attributed to Martin Luther. Um, where he said, you, can, you can't stop a bird from landing on your head, but you can prevent it from building a nest there. You know, thoughts will come in your mind, temptations will come in your mind, but it's up to you to get rid of them. And just like a bird can land on your head, I don't think many of us are going to allow that sucker to build a nest, right? You know, you're going to get away as much as you can. Well, you need to have that same attitude. I need to have that same attitude with our sin, we need to say no immediately. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says that we're tempted by our own evil desires. Then we're enticed and dragged away by those desires as we let them sort of ferment in our minds. And then they grow into sin, which sin gives birth to what? Death. That's the process. And so when we say no immediately, we can be healed quicker, quickie. <laughs> quickly we can be healed more quickly you have to kill it immediately that's funny i won't even go there anyway um talking about temptation i'll just say that <laughs> forgive me jesus no <laughs> i'm being tempted but here's the thing say no immediately the next thing is this Admit the consequences. Admit the consequences. I'm sorry, it's going to be on my brain all day. I'm sorry. Jesus loves me. This I know. But look at verse 9. No one here has more authority than I do, Joseph said. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How can I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. It would be a great sin against God. I believe oftentimes if we don't say no immediately, 
then we start to rationalize why we should do this sin. It will get us out of trouble. It will feel good. It will bring us, you know, uh, you know whatever you, you want to say. Fill in the blank depending on the sin you're talking about. But we don't admit the consequences that will happen if we commit this sin. We don't think about the broken relationships. We don't think, think about the broken trust. We don't think about the loss of credibility. We don't think about all the different things. So we have to understand and admit when we sin that we don't just hurt ourselves. Have you ever sort of said that in your own mind or maybe even said it out loud? Well, if it hurts anybody, it's only going to hurt me. That's a lie, right? That's a lie. That's ultimately a lie that we cannot give into. So we need to understand it's not just going to hurt ourselves. That's one consequence. And you don't just hurt the immediate people that you might be like, you know, if uh, your friends or your spouse or, or your children or the person that you lie to. or You don't just hurt the immediate people, but he recognized that he did do that. He said, I, Potiphar's put me in this place of position or this place of power, and you're his wife. We cannot do this. It would hurt you. It would hurt me. It would hurt Potiphar. It wouldn't just hurt me. But even more importantly, you have to go another step farther. If you really want to get a handle on this temptation, and you really want to make sure you get the sin out of your life, is you understand the truth that Joseph said, it would be a great sin against God. My sin, your sin, hurts God Almighty. It hurts our relationship with God. It hurts our relationship with God. And when we start to wrap our minds around that, the idea that our sin, no matter how big or small it may seem, our sin hurts our relationship with the Almighty God. And that can lead to true repentance. That can lead to true repentance. I believe that if, as long as we think it just hurts me or it just hurts a couple of people around me and we don't think about the fact that every sin that I commit, that I struggle with, that I'm tempted with can hurt or does hurt my relationship with God, that can lead me to truly change the way I think and act and respond to the situations. So when you are outside of Christ... You have to understand that your sin separates you from an almighty God. And it has to be paid for. And most of us can understand that. But we also have to understand that when we're a Christian, that our sin pushes us away. It's like we're putting our hand up in God's face. Even though he wants to love us and he wants to accept us, we're saying, okay, I'm going to do this. And we start to turn around. And that's why we talk about repentance being turning around doing a 180 a change in mind that leads to a change in action because instead of seeking and looking at the face of God you put your hand up so to speak and you say I'm going to look at this thing or this person that I believe will fulfill me I'm going to commit this sin that will get me out of trouble or give me pleasure or give me something in this life and you push yourself away from God Almighty the next thing you do is this say no again all right, that may seem simple, but until I get it down pat, until you get it down pat, we're going to have to remind ourselves of these things. We say no, we admit the consequences, and then we say no again. Because that temptation, I don't know about y'all, but when I'm tempted by something in particular, just like my friend's story I told about, the candy bars, there's always another candy bar, right? There's always another candy bar. You say no one time, but there'll be another candy bar tomorrow or six weeks from now, or a year from now. They'll always have another opportunity for you to fall into that sin or another sin. So say no again. Look at verse 10. 
She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. So anytime that she would make an advance to him, what did he do? He said, no, he got away. He even tried to avoid her. He said, no, the tempter and the temptation won't leave you forever. Until Jesus comes back, sin is going to be prevalent in this world, but it's up to us to try to keep that sin out of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And with God's power, we can grow and we can get past these things. You have to continue to say no, or the pain is merely delayed. Because what happens if you defeat a temptation one time, what can quickly set in? Pride, can it? You know, it's like, well, this used to get me, but now I'm good. You know, I I beat it this one time, I'm good. You might have lost to it 30 times before, but you beat it one time and you think you're good, you think it's all good. But, you know, the the deceiver, the tempter, he doubles back. He's like, all right, I'll be back at a a more opportune time to, to talk about what the Scripture talks about. And I'll be ready for you. And he'll come back with guns blazing and he'll make sure you're alone and that it seems like nobody knows and nobody sees. And so you have to keep saying no. The next thing that you have to do if we want to defeat temptation in our lives is don't go there. Don't go there. Also in verse 10, it says, She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. So if there's a particular place that a sin is really gets you, you got to avoid that place. Or you have to avoid that place alone. If it's somewhere that you have to go. Now, more than ever, now, there's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon said. So there's always been sins of the mind, and and sin starts in the mind, as it says in James. But more than ever, there are ways to have sin brought into your life and into your house that you don't even have to leave your house anymore, right? And so there's another level, another layer of, of, uh, of issue we've got to deal with. And so what you have to understand is, I need to set up ground rules and accountability so I don't go to the places that are going to cause me to sin. You have to change your habits. You have to change your behaviors. You have to change where you go and how you spend your time if you want to defeat the the temptation and the sin in your life. There's an old children's song that's been actually adapted into uh, more of an adult song as well, but it simply says, Be careful little feet where you go talks about be careful little eyes what you see be careful little ears what you uh, hear be careful little mouth what you say but be careful where you go and the places you put yourself when you could be in danger and that's what we need to understand is that there's danger there you know when we're little most of us are afraid of the dark and and that's why spiritually uh sin is referred to as being in the darkness right and and that jesus and the church and god and the bible and christians are called to be light and of the light because in the darkness is where danger is and we've got to avoid where the, the temptation is and here's the next one that we can do and this is a little bit controversial but run naked run naked i'm just continuing this whole thought process today ain't I? run naked and just to understand it i put be radical run naked be radical because here's what happens when he gets confronted yet one more time in verses 11 and 12 one day however no one else was around when he went in to do his work 
She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. This man was dedicated. He was like, I am not going to cave into this temptation. And okay, let's not be silly. Let's not be silly and try to over-spiritualize this and think that this was not a temptation for this man. I'll tell you what. He was a man and he had a pulse. And he, it was a temptation. It, it was. And so he was resisting and he said, I'm not going to cave into this because I know it hurts you. I know it hurts Potiphar. I know it hurts me. I know it hurts God. I have told you no. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get away, get out of this opportunity and get myself to safety and freedom. And so he literally runs out of basically his clothes and runs away naked. And that may seem crazy to us. But if you understand your relationship with God Almighty and how sin hurts your relationship, you need to be crazy. You need to be radical. We need to. We need to stop caring what other people think so much and allow ourselves to be tempted and drugged down to the pits of hell just so we don't look silly. My goodness. How crazy is it when I give up my soul, I trade my soul for acceptance of people. That is ridiculous. I, I'm sorry if I'm, I, I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at all of us. Because we got to stop caving in to the sins that are out to destroy us. Don't be afraid of looking crazy to keep your heart pure. Because as we said, it's not just you that is at stake. It's the people around you. It's the relationships, the friendships, the people that you don't even know yet. That could be turned away from your mistakes and your failures. And that's a lot of pressure. But with the power of God, you can do it. And we can do it. And there's grace. Don't misunderstand me. There's grace. But don't sacrifice your heart for fear of being rejected by people who don't care about your heart. Did you hear that? Don't sacrifice your heart for fear of being rejected by people who don't care about your heart. I'm not even saying they're evil people. Some of them are, but they're not all evil people. But if they don't care enough to understand why you're running away naked, so to speak. Now, that's not the, the response to every temptation. I'll just say that. <laughs> it's a theory. It's a, it's a, you know, it's an idea. It's a metaphor. But if they don't care, if they don't care enough about you to understand why you're doing something radical, then they don't care about your heart. And you should not give up your relationship with God and your relationship with other people just so you can be accepted by someone who doesn't care about what's most important. We've got to understand that. And there's one more thing here that we can do to defeat this temptation. And it's a repeat from what we talked about last week. Trust God. Because I would love to tell you, friends, I'd love to tell you that when you say no, when you admit the consequences, when you say no again, when you do all these things, when you don't go there, when you run naked and you're radical in your resistance of sin and you do whatever it takes. I mean, if you've got to get the computer out of your house, get it out. If you need to go to a dumb phone instead of a smartphone, do it. Whatever it takes, be radical. Do those things. But here's the thing. I would love to tell you that if you do all those things, that everything's going to be perfect. But just like in Joseph's life, there are still going to be people who are going to accuse you. There's still going to be people who want to drag you down and knock you down and tear you down. 
So trust God. So do right even when it's not going right. It may look bad now, but God is working. Look at verses 13 and following here with me. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. You know, it's just like that woman I was telling you about in the courtroom. She's like, "Uh uh-oh. What am I, how am I going to explain this? And then she's like, does her basically falling down on the floor. Oh, oh, you know, and she's like, look, look what he did. She flips it on him. And so here's what happens. Verse 16, she kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. She, it's like she just laid there all day just waiting. She was probably watching TV. And then all of a sudden when she hears the door open, she's like, oh, oh, you know, she flips on the fake. Yeah, she didn't have TV. Just so y'all know, I'm not a, not a heretic, but I'm just saying figuratively. She, she waits any moment and she just is waiting there just to trap Joseph. So then it, she told him her story in verse 17. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held And there he remained. That's a little true to life, isn't it? Sometimes all it takes is an accusation and you are presumed guilty by the court of public opinion. Am I right? And so more than ever, we need to say no immediately to try to do our best to not put ourselves into those situations. But he did all the right things and still what? Still got blamed, still got accused, still suffered consequences for a sin that he did not commit. He did not commit. Wicked people will still accuse you even if you try to do everything that's right. But let me tell you this. Don't blame God. Blame sin. Because the temptation is going to be if you do everything right to say, well, God, where were you? God didn't do it. God didn't do it. Blame the sin of this world. Blame the sinful people who may have hurt you. But here's the thing. It may seem bleak, but do what's right. Did y'all hear me? It may seem bleak, but do what's right. Because unfortunately, this kind of thing is too common. And in our society, in our world, the way it's going, where people call right wrong and wrong right, it's going to be even more prevalent. For the church to stand up and do the right thing. And even when we do the right thing, people will accuse us and they'll call us hateful and they'll call us evil when all we're doing is trying to share the love and the truth of Jesus. Stand up for what is right. Do what is right even if everybody's against you. And as I said, this idea is so much more important than more than ever, even with our culture. And know this, God is moving. Look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. We pointed out quite a bit, but that phrase, but. (laughs) But God. But God, it may seem like all hope is lost. You're in prison for something you did not do. But God, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Man, I love that phrase. God will show you his faithful love in the prison. We pray to be out of the prison, but he will show you his faithful love in the prison. 
And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. And before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that had happened in the prison. The warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and he caused everything he did to succeed. When you're in the prison, even though you don't deserve to be, just trust God, his timing, his faithfulness, his faithful love, and he will do a work in you and through you more than you ever could have imagined. So do the right things, but even when this world may come against you, continue to trust Him. God's timing is perfect, and you and I need to remember that. Yesterday, I had the cool opportunity to stumble upon um, uh, NPR does a, a video series that they put on YouTube called Tiny Desk Concerts. And for Black History Month, they've been doing different uh, black artists. And yesterday, or the most recent one that I just saw anyway, was done by Kirk Franklin, a gospel singer. And man, that guy, he's been, he's been doing it for a long time, and he is good. And so he had him and his, his group, a small version of his choir and singers and instrumentalists there. And, and they were all packed around together. And man, they just had church on NPR. <laughs> And I mean, talked about Jesus and the love of God, and man, it was it was so good. And I shared it on Facebook because, man, that's just a great way. I mean, I was just I was man, I was moving in my chair watching it, and man, it was it was something. But he sang one of my favorite songs of his, and it's called "Smile." And you know, even if you don't move, if if you don't dance, I, I challenge you to listen to that song. You will move. Something will happen in you and, and it'll break loose. But this song, Smile, and during part of it, as, he, as they're singing this song, he just he looked at the camera. And he said, Smile, you've cried too long. You've cried too long. And what we have to understand is that even when things seem bleak, even when things seem hopeless, you can smile because of the love of Jesus. And I've heard it related to the spirituals like we, we got to hear and participate in this morning that the people were singing hope over themselves. As they were trapped in an institution and mistreated they sang the hope of Jesus over themselves. And church, we need to learn that lesson as a whole. That though this world may be against us, there is hope in Jesus. And when you feel like you cannot go on any longer, smile because you've cried too long. Trust in the power of Jesus. And at the right time, God will restore you. God will restore you. But one last thing. You may be to a point in your life where you don't struggle with the big bad sins that maybe used to haunt you. I don't know where you are in your walk. And you get used to defeating those things. And you may be thinking you can ignore this message. But I wanted to do something real quick. If you're physically able, uh, would you stand up for just a quick second? I want you to stand up because I don't want this to go over your head. I want it to hit you right in the face and not your neighbor behind you, okay? All right, you can have a seat. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. 
<laughs> but I want this to hit you, okay? I'm trying to wake you up. This isn't just for the people sitting behind you. This is for you. You may have defeated some of the big sins in your life and they don't hold power over you like they used to, but there are a couple of different types of sins, at least two. There's many more you could get specific with, but there are sins of commission, commission that you commit, that you do, but there are also sins of omission, things that you should do that you do not do. And Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 19 and 20, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But I do what I don't want to do. I am not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. But here's what I want us to say as we start to wrap this up. Let's not only focus on avoiding the sins that we struggle with, but let's focus on moving on the good that God is calling us to do. It's not simply enough to just be good people. It's to be God's people that we're called to be. To start being the church. To start loving people in Jesus' name. And don't be satisfied with you just going to heaven. Be satisfied and long for everybody to go to heaven. To do the good things you need to do. So when you see something that you need to do, when you get that little God nudge that we probably all felt or hopefully we're open to feeling, if you see, I need to reach out to this person or I need to do this for that person or be kind to this person or check on this person or, or I need to help that person. Do those things. And let's think about those little rules that we said. If we want to call them rules that, that, that Joseph put in his life, let's think about them this way for a second. Say yes immediately. When you feel God nudge you in the direction of doing something good, if it's good and there's no doubt about it, it's good, do it immediately. Then the next thing is admit the consequences if you don't. You might be the only person to share hope with this person, but if you don't do it, they don't get it. Admit the consequences if you don't do it. And then guess what? Say yes again. Because you'll be tempted to say, oh, well, there'll be another day. There may not for that person. 2020 and going into 2021 has hopefully proven that to all of us. We don't know the time that we have. Get out, go and get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. That's where life begins is outside of your comfort zone. Go and get out of it and put yourself into places where you can serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus and be challenged. And then the next thing you do is run naked. Be radical in the way you live your life of faith. The world will tell you that people don't want to hear about the hope of Jesus. Be crazy. Be crazy and share love and hope because people are searching for it. They're dying for it and they don't even know what they're dying for. Be radical. Be crazy. Francis Chan said, something is wrong when our lives make sense to unbelievers. Something is wrong, church, when our lives make sense to unbelievers. If they don't think that we're crazy, then maybe we're not living a Christian life. Maybe we're not being different. And then that last one that we shared, it works both ways as well, is trust God. Farmers don't go plant seeds and then go harvest the next day, do they? You've got to put that act of love and faith into the soil of someone's life and you may not see results for days, weeks, months, or even years, but trust the power of God that He is working in you and through you. And you might be the planter, you might be the waterer, but you are doing the work of God and He is the one who makes the increase. So keep trusting God.
But all of this today runs around the idea of running naked. (laughs) Doing whatever it takes to avoid sin or be obedient to Christ. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, throw off everything that entangles in the sin that so wraps us up and holds us down. And when that was being written by the Hebrew writer, it was in reference to the idea of the, uh, the, the early Olympic Games. And many times the runners would actually run naked so that they would have no resistance. And he's saying, get out of whatever is holding you back and you run. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame. And when he was finished, sat down at the right hand of God place your life in his hands because he's the only one who can help you defeat sin he defeated sin for you but he's also the only one who can give you the strength and the power to be his hands and his feet and so church let's stop stop giving in and start being who we're called to be If there's something on your heart today, I pray that you would not leave, not hesitate. If it's simply you need somebody to pray with you, if you're online and you need somebody to pray with you, just send us a message and we'll be glad to work out a time. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. But find time to say, God, I want to be completely yours. I'm tired of just living my life for me. I want to be who you called me to be. And today is the day to just throw it all off and just run towards Jesus so this world can see him through us and in us. And if you need to give your life to Jesus, surrender to the gospel, to believe in him and repent of your sin, confess him as Lord, be baptized into Christ. You can start that today. We'll take care of it today. And if you've already done that, the challenge is let's stop just worrying about getting rid of sin, but also doing what God's called us to do. And let's be the church that Jesus died for church that Jesus rose again for. Let's pray. God, remove every burden, every barrier. God, help us to see the temptation coming to be smart, to be wise, and to say no, to get away. And all through it all, no matter what we do, to trust you, to trust your timing. And then, Father, help us to be about your business and be about the things of being your church to be devoted solely to you, to be sold out so this world that's dying and hopeless could see hope and life in Jesus. We thank you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand, let's sing together.